0: Welcome back everyone, Jody and I are celebrating 27 years of marriage and we are in the middle of a really long couples getaway. So in the meantime, we are going to replay some of our favorite episodes and some of the most popular episodes from our podcast. If you've heard these episodes already, then they are definitely worth relistening to. And if you haven't heard them, then we're excited to introduce you to some more of our excellent guests that we've had on the podcast over the years. We really hope you enjoy listening to this, and we'll be back with you soon. Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner, as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I wanna welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma but we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. There are lots of challenges in recovering from the impact of a loved one's secret life, sexual addiction, sexually acting out behaviors. But I think one of the most challenging sort of overarching things of this is just how to organize the recovery how to get started, what to focus on, what decisions to make, and it can be so overwhelming to sort through all the different decisions that have to happen. Well, my guest today has broken down some early phases of healing from betrayal trauma in a much more digestible format, and it's a real thrill to talk to her about these things, and she breaks it down in a way that helps you understand all the different waypoints, all the different decision points, and really help you make sense of the different options that you have as you're trying to heal from this. Her name is Tammy Gustafson, and she is a licensed therapist out of Colorado, and her specialty is helping women recover from trauma, PTSD, and also helping wives heal from betrayal. And she works really to get people unstuck and help them find ways to live with purpose, joy, and confidence so they can move forward and leave their past behind. And she's an EMDR certified therapist, and she's a lot of experience in treating trauma and stress, and she does a lot of work to help women make sense and organize their recoveries. And she's just a great person, a really sharp individual, and a passionate professional. And it's just a real thrill to connect with her on this podcast and be able to share some of the things that she's doing to help women get unstuck in the confusing, overwhelming process of betrayal, trauma, healing. So let's jump right into my interview with Tammy Gustafson. Well, welcome to the podcast, Tammy. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I
0: love talking about best ways to support partners in betrayal. It is such a confusing and overwhelming time. And I love the work you're doing to help partners really get their bearings and get organized in a journey that really feels, I think the biggest thing I see is people don't even know where to start. They just know something's terribly wrong and there's so much disorientation. And so I know that you've broken down, you've taken this concern and you've broken it down in, into more sort of organized, structured ways of making sense of these different phases of healing. So I'd love to have us just jump right in and and organize this a little bit as if if somebody's listening, they've gone through betrayal or or they're a loved one and they're trying to support them. How do you organize this in a way that helps people make sense of this journey?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's so important because this is betrayal is part of my story. And I know when I went through this, I didn't know if there was a path through. I didn't even know if it was possible to get to the other side. And I certainly didn't have any idea if I was moving forward or backward. It's just so confusing. It's like everything you thought you knew suddenly feels like a lie, right? Right. And so over the course of time of going through it myself, and I've been a counselor for a lot of years now and walking wives through this as a coach. And what I realized is that there are very clear patterns along the Mm -hmm. way and so how I break this down is into four phases or the betrayal healing phases is what I like to call. The okay. first one is reveal. The, sec- the second one is rumble. The third is resolution. And the fourth is rebuild. So, so phase one, reveal, that is really where you are uncovering the truth about what your husband has done. That right. is when life is blown up, right? And you're really in that discovery phase. Mm-hmm. Phase two, rumble is after you've gotten the truth about what your husband has done, preferably a full disclosure has been done at that point. And then you're really moving into the process of processing the heartbreak and waiting to see if your husband is going to do the work to heal or not. And then the third stage resolution is when after this kind of usually long, difficult period of phase two, Phase three is where based on your husband's actions, it's become pretty clear what direction the marriage is headed. And of course, your own personal decision in that as well. And in that third phase, the resolution phase, there's usually three paths that the marriages go on. One is it's moving towards redemption. It's healing. Uh, It doesn't mean that it's healed, but it's a process. Right. The second one is roommates. And that's where I see where a lot of clients are, they're not going to leave they've decided they're not going to divorce their husband, but their husband has also not done the full work of healing. So it's this middle ground of where they're trying to figure out what does it look like moving forward, usually because of finances or because of kids. Like, what does it mean to stay in this marriage when it's not fully going to heal? And then the third path in that one is divorce or permanent Mm -hmm. separation. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth one, the fourth phase, rebuild. That's where all women come back together, regardless of whether their marriage has made it or not. And the focus in phase four shifts from the marriage or from their husband or ex-husband. And now it is focused on them rebuilding life, them picking up the pieces and moving forward in rebuilding their future.
0: Right, right. No, I love that. Can we go back through those? I want to talk about each of those a little bit more in depth. If that's okay, I think that absolutely, I, I love that sequence. It's exactly what I see happening as well with the, the the partners that I work with, and so specifically around the reveal. I mean, I know that a lot of the times, a lot of women don't get the choice that something's going to be revealed. They discover it. Or it comes to them, I, I, you know, or they might have a sense that something's off and they've been putting it off or second guessing. There's so many ways that this happens. But in most cases, it's, you know, it's because it's not their behavior. It's something that's being thrust on them. It's something that's being put on them and, and that reveal thing. And, and what do you, in terms of the, the women that you've counseled and worked with, what do you tell them as far as how to navigate this, as far as how much do they need to know? How much should they know? How do they get that information? I mean, I've done a ton of work on disclosure and all these kinds of things. So I have my own take on this, but I'd love to hear what you share with, with partners.
1: Yeah. So, so I think the first thing that I go into when a woman comes to me and and has just discovered this is one, I think we would all say it is not their fault. It's not Mm -hmm. their fault. And kind of that bedrock, because that's what, that's what all of us go to, right? Is this is somehow my fault. So, but when it comes to disclosure, I say, it's, I am a huge proponent that you need to try to get the truth because it's not just about what your husband has done, but it's making sense of your own life. It's making sense of your story. And while women can heal without disclosure, marriages, I don't think can heal without disclosure. That's
0: a really good point. Exactly. I love that. I want to say that again, like you can heal individually, regardless of what happens whether you know the full story or not but the marriage cannot without that full disclosure and i think so many understandably so many partners feel mixed about that well he's not going to give it up or maybe i'll never know so we'll just sort of put that off to the side and just carry forward and try and build a good marriage but it's always sort of living under the surface like a cancer that secrecy the the lot the information you just don't know
1: yes and Why it do doesn't you? mean you can't move forward in your marriage, but right. it does mean there won't be that full intimacy and that full freedom and connection. It's not going to be the marriage it could be.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. That's what I was gonna ask is like what what have you seen happen when that is just pushed to the side. And I agree. It just creates a creates a barrier, creates like a it's like there's almost like this line that they can't cross as far as how close they can really get in terms of really being seen.
1: Mm-hmm. This was actually part of my story is that the first the first time I got disclosure about my husband's pornography addiction, it was very small. Mm-hmm. He gave a very little bit. I was shocked. He cried. I cried. He said he would never do it again. And I forgave him and we moved on. That's right. all I knew to do. And and the message of, well, you just forgive and you move on. And so for the next year, there was just this lingering low-grade festering and it was always just there. And we moved on, we moved on with life, but there was always just something kind of eating away at me. And it wasn't until a year later that things really blew up. And wow. then, and then we went through disclosure and we were able to do the full healing work.
0: Wow. So like you, so you've experienced, like you're saying like, look, I tried it both ways. I've tried to just let it go and just kind of hang in there and hope that we can just work on the relationship. But this was just gnawing at you the whole time. Yes, and that that whole gnawing, that sense of like something's just not quite working right. I don't know if there's an answer. To that. Like, what is that? Like, what do you feel like that is that's not allowing the couple to progress further?
1: Oh, I think it's the truth. <laughs> I, I <laughs> think a, it's the truth great, that yeah. wants to come out. Yeah. And I think this really ties into women trusting their gut,
0: mm, and yeah.
1: just how critical that is. Of uh-huh. If you feel like you don't have the full truth, you're probably right.
0: Mm. And
1: so yep, that yep. gnawing inside of wives, I think that's what it is.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. And you have to really honor that. It's uh I think because, especially if there's been a lot of lying, the gaslighting, the, the trying to figure out the truth, and there's been denial. I mean, sometimes it never comes up, nobody asks any questions, and then there's a discovery. I mean, I've seen all versions of this like you have. But whether it's before or after a disclosure, really getting that compass back and really getting that those bearings back is an essential part of her healing of being able to organize the world and, and make sense of... Um, That's how we guide our lives. It's like, oh, I feel good about this. I'll go this direction. Or this feels true to me, so I'll pursue this. Or that doesn't make sense. I'm going to back off. But when that's all twisted and broken and like spinning around, I don't know how you make decisions or get things done without getting that recalibrated. And I agree. It's the truth. You have to know like, okay, I feel this. He says this. That matches. Okay, I can trust that. That's what that feels like. And you do that through a disclosure or through lots of these conversations and really expecting and in collaboration of getting that recalibrated together.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Right. That's like you said, it's it's hard to do by yourself in relationship. If you need to like, if you end up divorcing or leaving and going and trying to figure that on your own, it may take, it'll take a different path. It'll look different how you do it. But with, with that partner, they have to be an active participant in it. Absolutely. So was your husband, was he on board for disclosure? He was not like, I, I'm not sure I like what was, After that year, was that something that you pushed for? Was he like, no, I, I'm going to come out with more. What happened there?
1: I pushed for it and he was willing to do it. Good. But our disclosure process, we had a drip disclosure. It was not, it was a prolonged process, but the way I approached it personally was when, when everything finally did break, my approach was life stops life stops until we get this taken care of and you are either going to get clean or sober or we're going to end up divorced. One of the two. Mm. So we had a very intense period of like the truth needs to come out, but it was a long piece. And I kept on getting the response of that's everything. I've told you everything. And then there'd be a little bit more, you know, and that's okay. I think the process that the majority of wives I work with go through. And so for me, what I did at the end is I had him take a polygraph, and okay that was helpful for me we I, we've just done it once but that was what i needed to go like okay now i right. have everything now yep. i can move forward now i can move into phase two
0: right yeah so let's do that i so in terms of wrapping up this reveal section for women this this is really about saying if you're gonna heal relationally you have to confront the truth you have to be able to look at it and then obviously work with someone who can help you figure out how much you want to know i mean that's a whole that's a whole 10 podcasts, just in terms of trying to break down the disclosure process, but just to know that that is something that is going to be a task that will need to be done so that you can heal together. And then let's go to the rumble then. Let's talk about that.
1: Can I actually add something with phase one before we move on? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, one of the reasons why I broke down these phases is not only to help women figure out like what is going to happen in each of these phases relationally and personally, but also to be clear of like, hey, Here's things to focus on, like we've been talking about getting the truth, but here's things not to focus on. And Mm. actually, I think that is a piece. It's the what not to focus on in each phase. Those are the areas that women get stuck. So for instance, my top three in phase one is now is not the time to focus on forgiveness. It's not the time to focus on trust. And it's not the time to focus on your husband's emotions and helping him. And I think that those are all things that are good. But those are things that are down the road. Timing. In, in mm-hmm. in, in timing, exactly. Yeah. And when the timing gets out of order, then a lot of women get stuck.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the times, those are the things that, you know, a husband that's just been discovered or is coming forward is is pushing for. He wants her to care about his feelings. He wants her to trust him immediately. And, you know, what was the other one?
1: Uh, forgiveness.
0: Three? Oh, and forgiveness. Yeah. Like all of those are oftentimes being sort of requested or even demanded, expected early on as part of like, hey, we got to work together. And and you're right. Those are not like the discovery is not the time for that.
1: <laughs> yes. And as wives that. there's so much pressure to, hey, forgive, forget, trust again, everything'll be okay. It'll all go mm-hmm. away. And the reality is, of course, there's more to the process.
0: Right. There's a different time and place for that. Yes. That's earned after you've done some of that work. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. I love it. So should we move on to the rumble?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Yeah, I love the term. I love the term because it is is—it is a wrestle, it's messy. This is the part where kind of when you, right, this is sort of when you, the dust settles to a degree enough to to recognize that there's some debris in the field, right?
1: Absolutely. There's things
0: to clean up and make sense of.
1: Yeah. And one of the, you know, there's different terms for rumble. The thing that also really connected with me is like the rumble strip on the side of the highway. Yeah. It's like where a line has been crossed, right? And now you are in that really intolerable phase where you're yeah. like, where you're vibrate. And then it's like, you can't stay there forever, right? And I so, but that. you don't know yet if you're going to go off the side of the road or if you're going to go back on the highway. Mm. And so that rumble phase is really, this is where a lot of the really deep work happens. You know, mm-hmm. this is where the grieving sets in, where the are trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, how is this my story? It's the setting boundaries, dealing with triggers, finding your voice, you know, leaning into yourself. It's this deep work. And in the meantime, you're waiting to see, like, is my husband going to get sober? Is he going to do this work? Like, what, what is the trajectory of our marriage and my life going to look like? So this is a really intense, intense phase.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And it is it is hard. Like, you know, when you're driving, everybody's had that experience hitting those rumble strips. It's so super distracting. Like, you you have to make a decision. You can't stay on that path. And so it, it does, you know, and obviously having the, the revelation, the, the discovery stuff makes it easier to do the rumble work. You can't really do it without the information. What are some of the main tasks inside the rumble that you see?
1: Mm-hmm. Number one, I would say grieving, mm-hmm. like the grieving yeah. process is the healing process. Yeah. And so really leaning into these emotions, because man, as any wife knows, the emotions through betrayal are so intense I, and they are fluctuating By the second, sometimes it feels like, and you feel like you're crazy. One minute you want him to hold you and comfort you. The next minute you never want to see him again and you're crying. And then, so it's all these emotions. And that really ties into this grieving process of leaning into the anger, leaning into the sadness. And so often what I see is wives will lean into one, but not the other, Mm. and then they get stuck. And so anger in particular is a really important emotion during this time. And a lot of women struggle with feeling their anger, with knowing that it's okay, but it is so important. In fact, my husband, we talk about it. I was a big fan of anger when I went through this. <laughs> and not that strategy. That I liked yeah. It. That's, it was kind
0: of reflexive for you, right?
1: It was. But yeah. you know, we talk about it later, and my husband will actually say, he is now doing well. He's actually a counselor now himself, and he works with couples who have blown up life. But so we talked through this, Stephanie says, you know, I actually needed your anger during that time, Mm. because for so many years, I ran from all those negative emotions. And when I saw your anger, one, it not only connected me, it connected me with the level of devastation that I had done to you, but also it forced me to grow up and to face those negative emotions that I had ran from for so long. Wow. So it was actually a really important part of his healing. And I think as wives, we need to hear that other side of it. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. And obviously, like he stayed in the work and and was able to turn that into a positive. But I love what you're saying that, that, you know, if if you have a tendency to just stay in the anger, you know, it's not that you're doing it wrong by going to the anger or the shutting down. It's just that try and like shift it and keep more balanced, right? Sometimes it's important to just be quiet. Sometimes it's important to speak up. But if you're pegged up against one side of it the whole time, there'll be some suffering.
1: Absolutely. And I think there is a balance. Mm -hmm. If you're only on the anger and you're disconnected from your pain, it could go to rage. Mm -hmm. And that's not helpful. That's not going to help process. But absolutely. And I would say feeling whatever emotion comes up and honoring that. And so what I often tell my clients is is honor those emotions. Whatever you feel, just notice them. Notice them. Mm -hmm. Put words to it. And even I would do this out loud, actually, and I tell my clients they can do it silently if they want. But like even saying like, I honor the fact that I feel whatever it is, you don't have to do anything with it. You just make space for it and giving it that space and not shaming yourself and allowing yourself to sit in it. It allows those emotions to process. Yeah. Whatever emotions come up, just honoring that. It's part of the process.
0: Totally. Yeah, and I love love what you said just a minute ago about the anger, like where anger can be very therapeutic in terms of pointing you to something that needs to change and it can really signal and focus our attention. But like what you said, like the rage is actually us becoming disconnected from our feelings. Can you say more about that?
1: Yeah, I like to draw a diagram. So I'll try to visualize it of like, if we have a tunnel or or a tube that is processing the anger and the anger is moving through and processing, which is what we want. We want all the emotions to But if we are putting our thoughts and our feelings into words and we are staying connected with our anger and also that it's rooted in that sadness, it allows it to move through. Mm -hmm. And so you will not stay a quote unquote angry woman forever. But what happens is if we one, if we shove our emotions and they go underground, then they go into that low grade festering and they just boil, boil, boil. And then inevitably, they're going to shoot up into rage, right? And that, again, is where we're disconnected with our pain in the midst of anger. And then what we have is this like vertical, like we we run out of energy with the rage and it goes right back down into being shoved under the rug. And mm-hmm. then that's when we're stuck. Yep. But it really is putting our emotions and our thoughts into words. And that ideally would be done with a client's husband, right? Mm-hmm. However, if they're not safe, then that can be done with other people, with a support group, with a counselor, totally. with a coach. Totally. But it's got to get out. Mm-hmm. It's got to get out.
0: Right. Yeah. It's got to be organized. It's got to be, yeah, like you said, it's got to be able to have words and, and thoughts and feelings wrapped around it. So it'll just start to move again. Because the, yeah, because the rage, it's deceptive because the rage can feel productive because you're like, you know, you're saying all kinds of stuff or you're maybe, maybe even breaking things or you feel like you're taking all these actions or, but, you know, if you really sat down and said, what are you feeling? And then, and then all of a sudden they don't know, they just feel angry and raging. Well, that's not a feeling. It's not going to get them where they want to go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it can also end up having a break of trust with yourself
0: Mm, if it
1: goes too far. But that's not actually the problem I see with most wives I work with. Most wives I work with are, have a hard time accessing their anger. Yeah. And anger and self worth go hand in hand. So if I see a wife who is really struggling with their self worth, then usually if we dig a little bit deeper, is that they are not connected with their anger. They were told that it's not okay, that it's not being a good wife, or they've seen it in their past in their family of origin and it Mm -hmm. was scary. And so they're scared of that. So that's actually what I see more is that wives struggle to connect with their anger because they're afraid to go to rage.
0: Right. Like they don't have permission. To like give that sort of a form or a direction. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's so that's so good. And so the rumble is really in a lot of ways, it's this phase of the reckoning with yourself and how you're thinking and feeling and making sense of this and organizing all of this. It's There's a lot of deciding and, and looking and confronting your own patterns and reactions and things to this, right? There's There's just a lot of, this is where all the internal work is really getting some traction.
1: Yes. I would say this is where a lot of eternal, the internal work does, but there's a whole lot of external with the husband too, right? So mm-hmm. things not to focus on this phase. One is being okay. You don't have to be okay. And that's okay. <laughs> but two, his emotions, It's there's this balance early on where there's a tension of whose emotions are going to get the spotlight. Is it going to be the husband's emotions or the wife's emotions? And what I see is that a lot of times there's a lot of pull for the husband's emotions of, gosh, I feel so bad, or I feel shame, or I feel whatever the case, I angry or, mm-hmm. but what happens if the focus goes to the husband's emotions, then the marriage healing, what I see slows down or stops, his healing really stops because it can go to this pity party place rather than focusing on her and her emotions. And again, she can still get healing, but it's a whole lot easier to do it right. when the husband is supportive. So for the wife, I would say there's a lot of negotiation and navigating the nuances of how are we going to do this? What are the boundaries? What are my boundaries going to be? Am I willing to have sex with you? Can you stay in the house? Can you not? There's a lot of negotiating within the relationship, but then also with his emotions and uh, in addition to her own internal work. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so the rumble is, from a relational standpoint, it's not just her quietly by herself figuring things out. It's really about how to navigate this dance together with the relationship, right?
1: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
0: Let's move on to the third phase. What comes after the rumble again? Resolution. The resolution, okay.
1: Yeah, and this one is maybe a little bit deceptive. This does not mean that by the end of this phase there will be resolution, because we know that healing, whatever path it takes, goes on for a long time but it is the point where it's like you know again based on the husband's work and the wife's decisions it's like this is the direction that our marriage is headed and it, it, there may be change but unless something does change this is where we're going so again it's either redemption where the marriage is healing roommates where the healing's really stalled out but the wife's going to stay or divorce and this one is a tricky phase because there's this is the transition phase yeah. right And this is where everything, all the direction, all the work, all the hopes, everything is going in one direction. And now it's like the, now it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And everything starts to shift and how you need to respond starts to shift. And this is unfortunately where I think a lot of counseling and coaching and support groups end a lot of times because the marriage crisis is coming to an end, but yet there's so much healing left to do.
0: I agree. It can almost be like the, you know, the well-intentioned client who starts taking, let's say, an antidepressant and they're like, I don't feel depressed anymore, so I can stop taking my medication. And it's like, no, now that you have like the benefits of this, now you can start making changes and adjustments that you couldn't access before when you were in the depression. And I see this with couples in recovery as well, that they finally have their feet under them, that they now can think more clearly that a lot of, you know, decisions are starting to be made. And now it's time to do that deeper work of building something together. And this is the phase in your, in your process. This is the phase where you decide whether you're going to coexist or is that this phase here?
1: Yes. Yes. Right.
0: So, so this is that deciding place of like, what kind of a relationship are we going to have? Are we going to be intimate partners? Are we just going to be roommates? Are we going to be done? This is the resolution, like in terms of where are we going to put direct our energy?
1: Yeah. Well put. Absolutely. And again, that transition phase, you know. So I, I do indoor skydiving, and it's so I just fun. did that. Did you I just really? did that, yeah. Oh, for, did you love for it? For
0: Christmas, my wife and I did it for the first time. Yeah, I loved it. My wife, capital L, loved it, Like loved it, loved it. She lost her mind. She was having so much fun. <laughs> so that's fun, yeah. We just did that.
1: So, so fun. So when you start, as you know, there's this big glass tube that's a couple stories tall with this like 90 mile per hour winds coming up from the floor to lift you up off the ground, right? So when you start, you're on your belly and they call it belly flying and you're trying to figure out how to navigate things and you're working on, you know, how do I move my arms and my legs so I get steady, right? And then as you progress, like I'm capital L love it too. So I progressed onto level (laughs) two, which is back flying, And at that juncture, you flip onto your back and now you are flying on your back. And man, it is a totally different thing. Like I was steady on my belly. I was good. I flipped my back. I am flying all over that too. My, my instructor is like having to run and keep me from banging into things. And that's what I feel like this transition from phase two to phase three is. Phase one it. and phase two, you are working out all the kinks of trying to stabilize on your belly flying and you're figuring out how to do it. And then phase three, you flip over onto your back and suddenly it, it feels like everything is new again. So, for instance, the, the wife that's going down the path of healing. There's this moment, I call it the deer in the headlights moment, where there's this moment where she's like, oh, my gosh, like, I have to lean back in. Like, he is safe enough now. We're like, I need to start being vulnerable again. And that is terrifying. And it's the exact opposite of everything I've been doing for so long to keep myself safe. So how on earth now do I transition and open my heart up again? Like, that is Mm -hmm. one of the key wrestling points for wives on that path.
0: Right, because so much of everything up to that point has been present focused, which is, am I safe? Like, just kind of almost the immediate what's in my face kind of stuff and making sense of the past as well. But but this is all future focused. This is where where it's like wide open. It's all, yeah, like when you say like flip on your back, like you're looking a different direction now and it's it's like wide open.
1: Totally. And so scary.
0: And I've looked up in that tunnel, Tammy, I've seen the two <laughs> stories and I'm like, I don't know how they get up at the top there but it's it's And then a totally how do you get animal. the right?
1: <laughs> how do they get down? So for the no, wife great, who yep. the wife who stays and does roommates again this is a this is a heartbreaking transition for that wife yeah. because at that point she is giving up on her dream. Of the marriage being redeemed, she's oh, giving yeah. up on the dream of life being what she thought it would be. Yeah, and so as one client once told me when she entered this phase, she was like, "Now I have to figure out how to live my best meh life." Oh, what a heartbreaking place! Wow, to be, right?
0: so much grief. Yeah,
1: so much grief and feeling trapped. Usually, it's because there's it's financial, or mm-hmm. usually it's because not wanting to put kids through divorce. But like, how do I? The, really the question for her is how do I keep my soul alive mm-hmm. in the process of this so again just in flipping onto her back right and this one and
0: yeah and I think it's so critical as as helpers whether you're in a clinical role or a family role it's I know for me it's so critical to not make snap judgments about somebody's decision to stay in that position because you know the people that I work with they're they're very thoughtful intentional intelligent people that are just really trying to weigh so many conflicting options and sometimes there's not a, a clear easy answer and they're just doing the best they can and they give themselves the right to change that answer down the road if they need to. But my goodness, you know what they need is just to not be alone trying to do it.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because I mm-hmm. think there is a feeling of failure that can sometimes happen in that or, or being looked down upon. And man, I have so much respect for those wives. Yeah, Because so often there is this feeling, especially when it comes to kids, there's yep. this feeling of how do I make the choice between my heartbreak and my kid's heartbreak? How wow. do I make the decision between if I divorce him, it will help me heal, but then I'm passing my pain on to my kids. Like, how totally. do I make that choice? And so there is deep, soulful wrestling with that Mm -hmm. decision. And like you said, it can always be changed in the future.
0: That's right. Yeah. I think so many people in this resolution feel like this is my, is this your final answer? You know, and it's like, no, no, because think of all the different decision points that have been made up to this point that maybe you thought you'd never make or have to make, you know, even everything from, oh, when I got married, I knew that, you know, cheating would be a deal breaker. And it's like, you're still here. And it's like, well, Sometimes there's new information, or maybe you, you've you learned things since then, or there's other reasons or motivations to stay. And so it's messy, it's complicated. And um, you know, obviously, each one of us alone has to bear the consequences of any decision we make. And so it can be just so overly simplistic to act like you know exactly what would be the best thing for that person.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, it's a, it's a hard, hard thing. So what were you going to say?
1: Well, I think for the woman who decides to get divorced... There, you know, I've yeah. talked to so many wives lately who have gone through divorce and and the message I get time and time again is that I feel so lonely. Not just because mm-hmm. of the divorce, but because like gosh, my friends stuck with me throughout all of this and now they're tired and now oh, they don't want to yeah. hear about it anymore. Totally. Or I'm Living it, you know, I want to go back to my friends, but they're all married and it's so triggering or everything in life, not just the betrayal, but everything in life becomes a trigger. The trigger Mm -hmm. of like when I need to take the Christmas lights down and he always did that. Like that's not betrayal related, but now because of the betrayal, that's divorce. And so there's so many triggers. So the depth of grieving and the longevity of grieving is, I think, greater than most women will even let on because they're afraid to tire out their people. And so, mm-hmm. just that recognition of, man, it is a hard choice. And almost all the wives I've worked with who have been betrayed and got divorced, they never wanted to get divorced. They wanted their husband to do the work, but he didn't. And so, then right. they had to make that hard choice. So, right. I just have so much compassion for whatever path women end up on this. It is not easy. And there's so much grace and compassion there.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're in that situation, please rewind what she just said. And let's uh, just give you some more reassurance. We, I mean, both obviously Tammy, you and I, we work with this all the time and, and we understand how complicated it is in ways that people on the outside would never understand. And you obviously having gone through all those fate, right? All those phases and, and, and the decision points of stay, go, is he doing the work? Is he not? It's a very private personal thing. And so if you're in a supporting role, please validate and reassure that, you know, that they're doing the best they can. Cause in my experience, everyone is like, I don't, I don't see anybody just being flippant and reckless about (laughs) this. It's just not like that.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree.
0: And then of course there's a decision of in this resolution of, Hey, like we're both working together. There's active effort on both parts and, and that that's obviously an outcome as well. And of course the one that everybody hopes for that's you know the one that was sort of agreed on when you got married right we're going to work together we're going to build something together and so coming back to that you know clearly not an easy, easy decision and and there's a lot of data points and things that have to be taken in but but it's not without its its anxiety and concerns as well right
1: Absolutely the risk for women who stay I man I have so many conversations with wives about this because they're yeah. like how do I know he's not going to do it again
0: Right. And
1: the answer is you don't. Like you don't. there's no sure. The risk of staying is real. Mm-hmm. It's real. And there are no easy answers. There's no easy answers to that. So that's a common thing that right. that women struggle with in this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we could do another again, another podcast or two on mm-hmm. what do you watch for and how do you know if things are gonna progress but there should be traction and movement. This Absolutely. is not a passive process. This is not on both parts. And certainly if you're wanting to trust someone again, you've got to see and have something to trust. So,
1: Yeah. And, and let me yeah. clarify too. Like, There's a lot of assurance because women say, can I ever trust again? Can I ever do that? And the answer is yes. There's so much more depth. You can have a better marriage than you've ever had. I feel like our marriage, it's not perfect. And there are a lot of scars and there are things we're still working through. But man, it's deeper and more authentic than it's ever been. So Beautiful. that risk is not for in the forefront all the time, but it is a reality. But there is hope there too.
0: I love that. And people need to hear that. I mean, that's why I'm doing this podcast. That's why I do the work I do like you do as well, which is to let people know that there's there's a way out of this and it doesn't have to be a death sentence.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, now I look at it and I'm like, man, I am who my husband is today. And what kind of father he is today is so different than who he was before. Right. And it's so much better because he has done the hard work. And again, not perfect, but so much better.
0: This both and is a hard thing for us as humans, ah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We just want we just want to know like lock and load and and let's just go forward. And and it's like, nope, it's two things. It's opposing, it's joy, sorrow, bittersweet, and I don't know for for you, but I, I know for me and probably a lot of people, it's that's where life just feels the most alive is with us those contrasts and you know as much as we hate the pain, the joy is only sweeter because we've been through something and so I don't want to minimize or short circuit the process of of the agony of how hard that is, but it, there is hope if both people are doing the work and there's active work and integrity going on, like you said it can look and feel so much deeper than you ever imagined. And so we want people to hold on to that and recognize that there is that their risk, if all the pieces are there, it it's okay to take that risk and go forward with it and give it a yes. chance. Yes, it is. And then let's talk about the fourth one.
1: Yeah, rebuild this phase four. This is where all wives come back together. And this is where this is where regardless of the outcome of the marriage, whether the wife is divorced or or whether the woman is divorced or not. This is where there's a time where the focus shifts inside of her. And I look for this because this is, this is, I can see it happening to her in her where it shifts. And now the focus on like, Hey, whew, I have got to take care of myself. Like, Oh my gosh, what has the last, however, length of time, like, what has it done to me? Like, Oh, I need to pick up the pieces. It's reclaiming life step-by-step. And so for a lot of women, this is like, wow, I gained 20 pounds and I would really like to have my body back. So I need to focus on that. Or healing is so expensive. And now financially, we have got to get back on track. And so I've got to dig or I have to get back on track. It's focusing. It may be going into counseling individual and working on the residual trauma that's still there. But overall, the movement of this is picking up the pieces, but then also looking forward to the future of saying, Hey, this is now life. This is now the path that I'm on for the foreseeable future. How do I re-engage life? How do I find joy again? How do I find adventure again? How do I see beauty in the world again? And this, I love this piece of it because it is so possible to have a really powerful, purposeful, joy-filled adventurous life after betrayal. And this is the phase where that starts to break through and they start to see that there's good life ahead again.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And if you're listening to this and you're in the throes of, you know, the discovery phase, the revealing phase, as, as Tammy puts it, and you're wondering why you just aren't having a great day every day or why you're not just skipping along and embracing and loving all your hobbies and all the things that It's because you're not in that fourth stage, right? It's progress. It's like you have to get these other things figured out before you can open back up because your whole system's in survival mode. It's in, there's a, there's a sorting and a process and decisions and other things. So be gentle on yourself and be patient with, with the fact that you're in a different phase and that's okay.
1: And I'm so glad you brought up the survival mode piece because I think Mm -hmm. too, survival mode doesn't necessarily go away when the stressor is gone. Like just yes. because the marriage has an answer doesn't mean that you are suddenly going to come out of survival mode. Oh, I learned yeah. I learned this the hard way where yeah. I realized like, oh my gosh, like I, even though life is stable now and we're doing well, like I was still very much beyond my capacity in survival mode. So I had to take very specific actions and I'm still in the process, to be honest, of coming out of that and bringing my nervous system, calming my nervous system down and right. Finding right. fun again in life. That's how I ended up doing indoor skydiving.
0: Oh, I was good. like,
1: I need fun again in life because betrayal strips, fun. So mm. just uh yep. encouragement of if you feel like, wow, everything is calmer now than it was, but I still feel really amped up. That's normal. And be very intentional, particularly about your body to start to come out of that.
0: Yeah, because trauma is so physical. I mean, it's- Yes it's like a lot of thoughts but but your body's trying to protect you like you're trying to run from the tiger it's exhausting and so yeah a lot of the rebuilding is just physically getting your bearings again yeah i love this i love i love understanding phases and structure like this because it can just help you sort of conserve your energy for not trying to be somewhere you can't be right now to me it's a it's a very compassionate invitation to just be where you are and to do the work of that phase and then you can look forward to the next one or if you feel like you've gone backward, like there's been a new discovery or something else has come up, you kind of orient yourself in this process a lot easier.
1: Beautifully put. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, Tammy, you have a quiz to help my listeners understand where they might be in this process. And, and you've designed some resources for, for people at different stages, right?
1: I have. Yes. Good. I developed the quiz because I wanted I wanted women to be able to find out in a very short couple minutes span of time, like, hey, where am I? What phase yeah. am I at in to, like you said, orient to the process mm-hmm. to kind of get a, a something to hold on to. And then within it going, hey, here's some things. Here's some things to focus on, not to focus on, here's some resources, here's awesome. some things you can do in your healing.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and I'll put a link to that in the in the show notes so people can find it easily. And yeah, this is great. So anything else, Tammy, in terms of, as we wrap this up, that you'd want betrayed partners to understand about the phases of healing?
1: I think my main part, like when you say that, like my heart just kind of wells up inside of me because again, it just, uh, just, this is a hard journey and it is a messy journey. And like you said, we know that you are doing your absolute best. And so hang in there. Life will not always be like this. It will not always be this hard. There is joy and peace. There's freedom on the other side, whatever that looks like. So keep going.
0: Oh, beautiful. Tammy, thank you so much for jumping on here today and, and serving my audience, sharing all your great insight and personal experiences, which makes it so much more rich and powerful. And for the great work that you and your husband are doing and high five him for me as well for just <laughs> just the work he's doing to, to help you know, support others in in whatever capacity, but even just indirectly through this, you know, just to hear the great work you guys have done. So I really just appreciate you.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me on.
0: You can connect with Tammy on her website, BetrayalHealing.com and also on Instagram, Tammy L. Gustafson. And I'll put links to all of that in the show notes so you can find her easily. Just a real thrill to connect with people who are doing such great work out there to help people heal from the impact of betrayal trauma. And as always, I love connecting with all of you, so I'd love to have you drop me a message on Instagram at Jeff Stewart. You can also find me on my website, fromcrisistoconnection.com, where I've got past episodes of my podcast, online courses, and other resources to help you heal from betrayal trauma and marriage issues, rebuilding trust, and of course, overcoming unwanted pornography use. And there's just a lot of great resources on there. I'm constantly producing articles and columns and podcasts. And so, Let me know how I can help you. Let me know what's working. I want to be a resource for you, and I love hearing how this work impacts you for good. And as always, please share. You can get on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review. Let people know that this exists out there and that it's been helpful to you and that helps spread the word. There are so many people out there hurting, like I say, often on this podcast, and they just don't know where to get help, and you can be a resource for them. I'm always amazed at how many people that you don't think are struggling are struggling. And so spread the word, let people know the things that are helpful. And there's so much great information in these podcasts that applies to pretty much all human relationships, because all of us go into crisis, all of us go into connection. Thanks again for listening every single week. I love being here with you, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.